they've had most of the the whiskey by this point and now that Bo's passed out and it's just her and Reed mm -hmm. and this is all from Lou's point of view I turned to face Reed startled to find him directly behind me his eyes fixed on mine with a deep unsettling intensity that hadn't been there before truth or dare butterflies erupted in my belly as he stepped closer still heat washed across every inch of my skin truth oh. <laughs> hold on <laughs> he shook his head slowly i swallowed hard dare kiss me i <laughs> if i hadn't been reading this at like 1 30 in the morning would have screamed when i read that mm. part Melissa. This is a continuation of the last episode of Gods and Monsters. We spoke for about four hours. <laughs> we really, really long. So we wanted to split it up per your request. Now we're going to get into the juicy bits, the fun bits, the the, the end of the book. The climax, if you will. <laughs> so picking up literally where we left off yep here we go enjoy the next half of the book is just going to be him re yep. either relearning lou or things coming back incrementally and so he essentially just runs off and finds jean-luc and jean-luc yeah, he got too horny <laughs> did he yes well that's what we were arguing not with each other but generally was that because the the hate, his aggression, yes, is so clearly hiding how much yes. his desire. Yes. So do you want to? You had a very good, a very yes. Good so this, I was, I'm very, I was very interested in this dynamic, and I'm like, I was like, actually, as heartbreaking as it was to see Reed wake up and not know who Lou was, yeah. this is my favorite part of the book, is because Reed has. This, Reed is so tortured, so tortured, like physically. The idea is that while Reed was gone was that they're going to seduce him. She or she was mm -hmm. good. Like Lou's going to seduce Reed back into like, she needs him to fall, to fall remember back her and stuff. Yes. And so that's like the plan. So there's like this really cute part where. So Reed's just like watching them from afar as he's like approaching, coming back. And he says, wish was she i stared at them incredulously was she pulling lou's neckline down i averted my eyes furious but glanced back as Sally leaned over to pinch Lou's cheeks and it was just like they're like trying to puff her up just like it was so cute yeah. so you know what's coming it's like the the bathroom at a yeah bar. exactly the girl's bathroom at a bar. and they uh so like lou's just like really laying it on thick and they're on the horse and Reed literally says, like, they're trying to discuss where they're going. And Reed's just like, I scarcely heard the exchange with each stride of the horse. The witch's backside moved against my lap, up and down, rhythmic, until heat suffused my entire body. I glared determinedly at the sky overhead. The situation had grown dire. 
<laughs> soon she would notice and soon I would have to kill her for it. So it was like, he's getting like hard. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this is that he has a physical reaction to Lou that he can't understand because he can't mm -hmm. remember her, but his body remembers her. And that's why yeah. this is like a new, this is like a new kind of torture. So what comes is like Reed's hatred for witches is synonymous with this, with the centuries old, like fear of desire. So like when he mm -hmm. looks at her, it drives him physically mad. And he confuses that hatred with his own desire. It's actually like this like textbook situation, but I love the way that it plays out because he has a physical memory of her and a physical like reaction to her. Like he remembers her smell. He's like, she smells like amazing. The way that she like looks, her eyes, everything, her collarbone. Hmm. Mm -hmm. He smells her hair at yeah. one point. People who hate each other definitely smell each other's oh, yeah. hair. Um, <laughs> What I find interesting is that this time around, he's got a much more aggressive attitude towards his hatred of witches. Mm -hmm. And so I think kind of just doubling down on your point here, before he had never experienced sex. Yes. Yes. Now, well, now that he's like, his body is like, yep, that's the one. His yep. body is like fighting back. His body is creating this desire in a new way. And he's the only way he knows how to deal with it is by like, Rage. violence it's it's exacerbating that that centuries old issue yes yes and then they like i mean this is jumping forward a bit but when they go to the chateau that's where they're off to to get the ring so yeah. they go to the chateau lou gets them in and they're up in like morgan's uh chambers where all of the treasures lie treasures live and reed finds a balisarda and so he grabs that because that's his only, like, protection against witches, right? Because he's still in, like, hunter mode. And he has, I don't know if it's the Balisarda, I don't think it is because it would probably kill her. But he has, like, this blade, straight blade. And he points it at her and they're like, she kind of just, like, walks towards it and pushes into it a bit. And then, like, a bead of blood comes up and... He says, a quick thrust, one simple movement. She would drive me mad unless I did it. And I'm like, the innuendo is not going unnoticed. I'm like, yeah, that is yeah. literally what you need to do is like pin her. Like <laughs> you'll you. Yeah. And that's actually the first time when they do have sex. That's when he starts seeing threads in the court, seeing gold. That's right. The Let's answers, his way back the there. answers to everything is sex. <laughs> no. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like. I, it was just so enjoyable, this, like, new dynamic between the two. Because if you've listened to the other episodes, you know I'm already a big fan of, like, the Lou Reed dynamic. I love that, like, Reed's this, like, blushing, sweet, honorable, like, guy. And Lou's just this, like, saucy, brazen, unpredictable, like, surprise to his, like, way of life. And now it's kind of gotten to like a new level where it's almost only sexual like it's only violent slash sexual like it may yeah. bridge it it bridges that layer well she has this dilemma at one point where she's realizing that she doesn't know how she made him fall in love with her the first mm -hmm. time he just did mm -hmm. he just loved her and 
I think yeah. it's around that time that she realizes I need to stop trying to seduce him and mm-hmm. I need to start trying to let him see me. Yes. And this is when she she and Coco have a conversation. And mm-hmm. and we touched on this yesterday, which is we don't really see a lot of Lou and Coco's relationship. Because like the magic mm-hmm. in the world, we just kind of get dropped. We're not really learning that much. We're just like, oh, this is just like what happens. So it's like Coco and Lou have been together forever. And now we and we just kind of got dropped into their relationship. So there's not much to like build. Like there wasn't a lot of attention to building that because it was already established. And so this was like a really nice reminder. Oh, yes, this is my BFF, you know, (laughs) Um, Coco like gives her this like really good advice about like how to get to read um, because seducing them hasn't worked. We're jumping ahead a little bit, but we want to come back to the truth or dare thing. Yeah. She essentially tells her that um, you need to be vulnerable. Like, you need to show him that you're vulnerable. Yeah. You don't need to just tell him what you were, who you were, who he was, who you guys were together. Um, you have to, like, show him who you are, honestly, like, vulnerably in front of you right now. So, like, you have yeah. to, like, go deeper. And then especially so just yeah. just real quick, like we've mentioned before, again, with low melancholique and Isla is that their truths were not honest. Right. And so that's kind of the issue that mm. Lou is running into here is that she keeps being really honest with him, but she's not showing herself honestly. Yes. Like she's hiding instead of hiding behind jokes like she used to. She's hiding behind this like wall of past truths trying to not have to confront the fact that she doesn't know how to get him to fall in love with her and she's really scared that he won't yeah yeah so they get they find an inn um yes yes i think it was jean-luc found it the chateau yeah on their way back from the chateau they escape and they find an inn and jean-luc helps them because he's like you know saucer number one <laughs> number one Sasha so he thinks. yeah and um they get in and that that was something you mentioned yesterday was sweet which was like they're all wiped yeah. Saley like just is just like uh and she just like falls on the bed and then like Coco just falls on the bed next to her and they just like fall yeah. asleep it's a it's big progress from I guess the distrust that Coco would have had originally not just for Saley but like mm-hmm. for anyone generally who's not Lou yeah exactly it shows that, like, her, she's accepted Saley into their group, and also she's opening up in a way that she wasn't able to before Ansel's death, and especially afterwards. Yeah. So Saley and Coco, at this point, are now passed out. And so Lou is still under the impression that she needs to seduce him. And so she uh, goes over to the other room. Real quick, though, there's a yeah. bargain that they made. Yes when Reed was gone and they were like, he'll, he'll be back. And they made this bargain that if, if Lou could, could seduce Reed, Bo would give all of his treasures to Saley. And if he couldn't, if she couldn't, then Saley would have to give all of her riches to Bo. So Bo is like, it's fun because it gives Bo like kind of something to do in the group a bit. (laughs) But it also, I mean, it shows, because that's a very unbalanced yeah. <laughs> bet yeah. 
you can tell that he's like he doesn't have any doubt that she's gonna re-seduce yeah. yeah. Reed. Bo also sees that playful side of Lou and he mm -hmm. can meet it. And so he knew that she needed a joke in that moment. Yeah. Yes. Even though she's like, they're joking about my real life. She's still joking back. Like she yeah. still needs it a little bit. And so he's, he's eager to do that. So she goes over to the, the other room in the inn, to their room. And they start having a drinking party. Yeah. The, like the owner of the inn apologizes for being rude to John Luke. I think because he's essentially a cop yeah. and they're like scared. Yeah. That he's yeah. gonna be mean. So they to give them. him a bottle of whiskey, and Lou's just like, "Let's, let's, let's play, play Truth or Dare." dare. <laughs> so a room of teenagers drinking and playing Truth or Dare is definitely not gonna end sexually. No, not at all. My favorite part of that was that John Luke didn't even want to play, and then the second Lou was like, "Well, I have secrets of Sailies now," he just like jumped up and he was like, "Okay, how do you play?" Yeah. What are the rules? Yeah. And then they had to convince Reed, too. They didn't have to convince Bo. Bo loves talking about himself. Yeah. So he loves being the center of attention. He's like, either I'm going to tell you something about me or your all eyes are going to be on me. So I'm playing. So the game gets going. And true to form, it starts out, like, playfully enough. But then I think the first time it gets really deep is when Jean-Luc turns to read and he asks if his heart is still in the chasseurs mm -hmm. and they just stare at each other for a second reed asks him is yours nobody answers jean-luc takes the whiskey and he drinks it because he doesn't want to answer and then he says i'm done with this game and leaves yeah one thing that we talked about in the last episode was that we see how evil morgane and lavoisson are and so when we look at Lou and Coco, what we see is a possibility for a new mm -hmm. future for yeah. the witches, specifically. And so this kind of recurring presence in this one as well, once we are reintroduced to Jean-Luc and the old Reed, is what the future of the Chaucer's mm -hmm. holds. And there's a couple of other things in the second half of the book that I'll briefly mention too. Um, we've got Philippe, yes. this kind of power-hungry guy who steals the captain ship from Jean-Luc. And then the line that Sally has where she says to, to Jean-Luc, you're not supposed to fight the occult, you're supposed to fight evil. Mm -hmm. And that kind of mirrors something that the twins had said, Violet and Victoire, in book two when they're rescuing Reed and Beau, because they were like, they had their dream of being part of the Chaucers because they want to fight evil. And so I think in this moment, in this scene, Jean-Luc, so this is after, actually, after Sally has told him what his job really is. Jean-Luc is actually questioning it, I think. Yeah. It's hard because the same as it was with Reed, where you were raised in that environment. They were raised. He's already that. helping them. Like he's, he's kind of, he realizes there's a lot of gray. And I, th I think here is he's, he's really having to think about that distinction that Saley presented to him, because I think for so long they've been taught that they're fighting the occult when they were founded to fight evil. And evil is found everywhere. Yes. And I like that what they've done is said that the witches aren't the only ones that have to change their ways. Yeah. Because it is also implied at the end that is that it's implied that they're going to be. What's the word? I guess reshaping. Yeah, they're going to reinstate it with like 
a bit of a different firmer ideals yeah yeah um so i love that they had that exchange yes because their relationship john luke and and reed's relationship has been so fraught by the fact that john luke is so definitely jealous of reed yeah but in this book we see that he's coming into his own a little bit more he's defining himself separate from reed's shadow yeah and I think he definitely needed to travel with them a little bit to see that because he sees a new side of Reed when he's with them. Yeah, for sure. But then the fun part, the fun yeah. part of Truth or Dare. And I think we could we could probably just start talking about the sex scenes after this. Yeah. So, well, there's this my favorite part of the Truth or Dare scene was that essentially, yeah, it's literally Lou's last ditch effort to seduce Reed. She's like, yeah. what better way than giving him whiskey and let's play truth or dare and like get everyone's like energies all sizzling. Yeah. Reed's a hard nut to crack or whatever. And then there, like, there's this part where he, she says, Reed remained standing, crossing his arms and glaring down at us like some sort of pink cheeked, vengeful God. I sort of liked it. And I was like, ah. <laughs> it was like so cute. <laughs> it was just like, I saw him She's there like- and I was just like, that's, that's that's what you signed up for yeah this is what we came to see yeah um so the game keeps going and eventually Bo passes out because Bo can't hang they've had most of the the whiskey by this point and now that Bo's passed out and it's just her and Reed Mm -hmm. and this is all from Lou's point of view I turn to face Reed startled to find him directly behind me his eyes fixed on mine with a deep, unsettling intensity that hadn't been there before. Truth or dare. Butterflies erupted in my belly as he stepped closer still. Heat washed across every inch of my skin. Truth. Oh, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> he shook his head slowly. I swallowed hard. Dare. Kiss me. I... <laughs> If I hadn't been reading this at like 1.30 in the morning, would have screamed when I read that mm. part. Okay, so at this point, she thought she was still trying to seduce him, and it's worked somehow. Just like last time, she's like, I don't know how it happened, but he fell in love with me. But she says no. And I love that she says yeah. no. One, for consent reasons. He's not sound of mind in a couple of different ways. But two, because if she had said yes then, and later he got his memories back, it would have felt different. Yeah. In book two, we mentioned the fact that she kind of uses magic on him a couple mm-hmm. of times. She v- violates. It's a violation. Exactly. He, she, he point blank has to tell her, do not ever do mm-hmm. that to me again. And so even though Lou's not the one that put the spell on Reed this time... Because he's, like, under the influence of magic and this whiskey and everything, she's not ready. And she knows that he's not ready for them to take that step yet. Yeah. And I love she kind of coaxes him onto the bed. And and he says, you smell like a dream. Doesn't she ask him, like, what do I smell like? And she's, again, and repeats it. He says something, and she's like, Yeah. Hold on, let's see. Here. We're just going to read the book to you. <laughs> yeah. So he says, 
why do you smell so sweet? And she says, what do I smell like, Reed? Like a dream. You smell like a dream. And he passes yeah. out. Ugh. So that it's there, like, not just in his, like, sexual mm-hmm. organs does his body remember, but he smells her mm-hmm. hair and he recognizes mm-hmm. it. He just smells her when he's drunk and he knows that he knows it. Oh, it's so sad. I feel so bad for him. After this point, every time he's trying to think about it, he talks about it like he can almost reach what's happening. And he's so desperate to find those answers. And if there was a way for her to break the spell, she would have. But she physically couldn't. Yes. And then, and this is what brings us into the sex scenes, which are the best sex scenes of the trilogy. They exceeded my expectations. (laughs) The sex scenes in this book plural this time yeah are some of the best i've ever read it's not about how explicit it is it's not about what they're doing necessarily it's just it's like we're so ready for it because reed is in this (laughs) reed is in this hell physically sexually frustrated hell and lou just wants her reed back like yeah and the first one is when they're on the boat. And we mentioned a little bit about how, like, Coco try- Coco really helps Lou figure out, like, how to get to Reed by just being vulnerable rather than um, just remembering who we used to be. And so they go into the, what is it, the cabin of the boat. Yeah. And they kind of, it kind of gets, like, hot and heavy. And, like, they're kissing, she's up against the wall, he's got his hand down her pants. Like, it's, like, really kind of abrupt, because he's just, like, really desperate, and he just, like, doesn't know, you know, it's, like, between his rage and his sexual frustration, he has to kind of, like, he's, like, you know, and she's, like, there for it and stuff. It seems like, on some level, he knows that that interaction is what's going to start bringing some of those threads back. Exactly. But, again, he's still not ready. He's not ready. So few things <laughs> real quick here there's layers there's to this. so like many oh my god it's so good um so he's desperate and he's like show me please show me how we used to be and her they're getting hot and heavy and he's like fingering her and stuff and then he goes show me please show me how we used to be and then her eyes snapped open and she stopped moving abruptly because she was like that's mm-hmm. not what we need to do which is why yeah. Coco's conversation was so important. Part of the issue with Lou trying to use like their past, like what they used to be, and with this phrasing that Reed uses, is that they're different now. Yeah, yeah, they're different. So if they're just using their past selves and they're trying to hang on to something, that person doesn't exist anymore. And so they need to pay attention to the present. They need to pay attention yes. to how they are, not how they were. Yes. And I think that's really important. A really important distinction that Coco helps her see. Yes. And while they're hot and heavy, it's like Reed is literally pleasuring her out of desperation. It's not really about them right now. It's about him like wanting what they used to have. So she locks the door and magics their sound away, which is so important. Especially for how vulnerable they're about to get. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So she says, slow down, Reed. We have time. She'd given me this time to master myself, to regain some semblance of control. She wanted me to dictate the touch. 
She wanted to hear every word for what it was, a decision. Small decisions, yes, but decisions nonetheless. Honest ones. There could be no lies between us here, not like this. So another really strong lesson in consent, because this is emotional consent. It's a spectrum. It's respecting one's emotional space as well. And Lou did the right thing this time. She did it, you know. And then on the reverse side, she's giving him the opportunity to see her as a person who requires that same consent. Yes. And then I feel like I have mentioned this earlier where she says she's there in the throes of it. I mean, we could, we could go into that. So he's on the couch, sitting on the couch and it's a very small cabin. She gets up on the table and sits down and is just kind of like waggling her like legs around, just like yawning, you know, just like, Hmm, what do you, what do you want? What do you want me to do? And it's just, like, so cute. <laughs> and then, like, well, obviously she, like, takes her, like, pants off and her uh, yeah. boots. And she still has a shirt on. And he's just like, why does she have a shirt on? Like, he just can't handle yep. it. And it's just so sweet because he, like, he's like, I just want to touch her feet and her ankles. <laughs> like, I'm just like, he's such a little, he's so, like, innocent about it. Like, he's, like, she's yeah. literally, like, bare in front of him. And she's like, but her ankles and her hip, her collarbone. If if, if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't just that he wanted to touch her feet. He was like, I want to massage her feet. Yeah, yeah. So like foot fetish, possible foot fetish aside, like intimate. Every girl's dream is to have a man Mm -hmm. look at you and just be like, she needs a foot massage. I'm going to give her a foot massage. She's just living the dream and he doesn't even remember who she is. I know. I know. And I love that he mentions too, that he's like, I was all taken by her collarbone <laughs> and all of a sudden now she yeah. he's like now she's in front of me and I'm like what it could actually get better so the the two key points in the conversation that she has with Coco is one stop thinking from the past think of now mm-hmm. and two real honesty requires vulnerability so in this sex scene they do arguably one of the most vulnerable oh, things that you can do during absolutely sex. which is Eye, eye, contact. eye contact. Yep. The entire time. Jesus so Christ. He starts instructing her on where to touch herself, mm-hmm. which is, I think it starts at the inner thigh and it moves in. Mm-hmm. And then he's telling her, he's like asking her to do it the way that she wants. And so she's, she's masturbating in front of mm-hmm. him. And the entire time they cannot take their eyes off of each other. And their head, like head to head. Uh, yeah, eventually she like pulls him in because he stood up. The only time that they don't, they aren't having eye contact is when he watches like a bead of sweat go down her chest. Yeah. Which I wasn't complaining about that either. So, no. <laughs> and then he's like, he can't help himself. He has to like grab himself and he's, he's like, I, he, it was jarring to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he, there was no other choice for him at that moment. <laughs> no other choice. But I kind of feel like that sex scene which wasn't even a sex scene, mm-hmm. just a, like a sexy scene was hotter oh, than yeah. the second one. This was the moment when they broke through mm-hmm. the bullshit of his like desire versus hatred yes. thing that he was dealing with. He needed that before they could come home to each other. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he needed to blow off that steam and see something real. And then we can mm-hmm. move on to like, okay, Lou and Reed sex. Yeah, and 
leading up to this, he's seen her be a good person. And so she's already started to break down his prejudice around witches being fully evil mm-hmm. and all of that jazz. And then specifically in the, the truth or dare scene, which was just before this, she's showing him respect as a person mm-hmm. because like, that's what consent comes down to is like respect for a person to make decisions about their own yes. body and everything. Yes. And so the fact that she's able to do that shows him that she respects him as a person, which means she can't be as evil as he seems to think mm-hmm. she is. Which is how he fell in love with her the first time. Yep. Which they say at the end was she took Estelle's pain of burning at the stake and Ansel witnessed that and Ansel told Reed and Reed fell in love at the moment when he realized that she did that for someone else. Yeah. Even though she's reckless and endangering mm-hmm. herself constantly, it was her selflessness yeah. that made him fall in love with her. Yeah. And so their their plan is for Jean-Luc to get them into the prison and not actually drug them so that they can like infiltrate and save Madame Labelle. We didn't really get much into the plot, but that's okay. We, we've covered a lot. <laughs> but then the plan doesn't work because... Uh, King August comes <laughs> comes back and like w- is about to stab Lou in the neck or no makes makes uh, Jean Luc do it and so Jean Luc's lost his position. Philippe has taken over because Jean Luc kind of went MIA for a minute, and so their plan kind of just collapses at at like entry at <laughs> at the point of entry. Like so, she in her mind like pretending that she's drugged or whatever is like okay like we could use magic right now or we could just like go with the flow so they end up getting drugged right yes and waking up in the cell so it's her and reed and the cell is made okay out of the wood from reed's ball sack (laughs) no from reed's balisarde that tree that ate his ball, sorry, his ball sack. You want to try that whole thing again? <laughs> what do you mean? It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear you trying not to say ball sack. <laughs> okay. The cell is made from the tree that Lou threw Reed's Belisarde in. Yeah. It ate his Belisarde. And so now it's, it became like this tree off of the road that they like, I guess, cut down and made this cell out of that mutes or like lose magic. So unless she's in the middle, she doesn't really have magic. She can't really find her threads very well. It's like, it confines it to the cell. Yeah. So she can do magic within the cell. Right. Okay. Which it can only happen in the cell. It can't go anywhere right. else. So they're in there and Reed is poor Reed. He's still just struggling so much to like figure out, you know, he's trying to get his memories back. That's kind of been the prerogative from day one when he woke up was like, how can I get my memories back? Uh, the witches can help me. The witches can help me or whatever. And then but his like desperation in this scene is next level. Yeah. Yeah. He like, he's I'm trying everything. I possible. just like imagine him like pacing back and forth and then like trying to remember, trying to remember. Cause she was just like, just f- remember something. 
and then follow it. And he was like, mm-hmm. I just follow it and I open the door and there's nothing. It's just really hard for him. So then <laughs> I'll let I'll let you take over. Because they know that they're probably about to possibly die because nobody saved them yet. Um, at first she starts going through their memories together and she's like, here's what happened here. And he's like, even when I remember something adjacent, I can't remember where you tie into this. And so they're spending hours going through their history together and nobody's come to save them. So they decide that the only thing they can do is have sex. <laughs> what better Which time? I'm not complaining about. It's kind of like when we talked about Blood and Ash where it's possible last night on Earth kind of sex. Yeah. yeah. This is literally that. <laughs> yes. They've moved past the question of whether or not Reed's ready. They know he's ready. He's desperate for their their history together. And so because they can't find that anymore, they decide to focus on the now, which is that right now they want to have sex. Yeah. And this is where I think... (laughs) I think it's implied that he might have eaten her ass. And before I get into my argument... I want to say that I support this. I don't think this is a bad thing. In fact, I would prefer that he did. So Bethany and I are going to do a bit of a close reading of this (laughs) section. And you're welcome to tell us what you think. Okay, so in... Let me me get my Kindle out. She licks her thumbs and goes through. And hmm. Page 510. So this is in the chapter called Confessional. Yes. Okay. Despite the urgency of our situation, the huntsman patrolling outside, the sun setting over the city, Lou didn't rush as she slipped her palms into my collar, as she slid them down my back. My own hands moved leisurely to the hem of her shirt, peeling the fabric from her belly inch by inch. I lowered her to the floor. She stripped my own shirt overhead. Heat pooled between us as she traced the scar on my torso as I eased down her body, as I tasted each curve. With every breath, every touch, sultry and slow, as if searching, the intensity built the quiet desperation. Her fingers curled in my hair. My tongue stroked her hip. You called me your heathen, she said, on a sigh, arching and shifting my mouth lower, lower still. I would find her again, yes, but we still had this moment, this last breathless hour. You still are, sliding her pants down her legs. I flipped her over, trapping her. Okay, so this is the first point. We know he's just licked her hip. So he's got his face down near her pelvis, and then he flips her over. There's no mention of her moving up higher or lower or him moving up. All that's happened is that she's flipped over, so now he's looking at her butt. All right, Bethany, please continue. Her nails raked against the bars on the floor as I lifted her hips to kiss her, as I stroked her there instead. Okay, so he's lifted her hips. Okay. Which means we've limited the options of what he's stroking her with. Yes. And where. Okay, yes. He's very clearly eating her out. The question is, where? So, okay, so in in our debate yesterday, we were talking, I mean, we were just kind of trying to figure it out because it is not very clear. 
Her nails raked against the bars on the floor as I lifted her hips to kiss her. So he's kissing something in the area, right? And then the next, it's just the next sentence. It's a sentence. As I stroked her there instead. So that's the thing is what is there referring to? And is the instead... So is it that I stroked her there instead or that I stroked her there? Yes, instead? thank you. This is and this is the problem, Shelby. Yes. Shelby. She knows she, what she knows. Did. I would argue. Well, actually, we know my argument. Okay. When we go on, her trembling built and built until at last she fractured. So it's essentially referring to like orgasm. We know that he is giving her what she wants she fractures um i need to put it down <laughs> yeah no i have to stop looking at it i'm losing my train of thought this is so much more than anything that they've done at least like that we've seen them do in the mm-hmm. book before and i think it really speaks to how dire the situation has gotten like she's crying not during the sex scene, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but during the scene generally, as they're recounting, or as she's trying to jog his memory, and then afterwards, when they when the Chaucer show up, she's like tearing up because she thinks this is the end. They're gonna die, and he's not gonna know who she is, and that's that's scary. It's funny because Bo was the one who said at the beginning, "Please just tell me that none of you are gonna forget me." Yeah, and that's a like, it's funny coming from Bo because he's vain. Mm-hmm. But it's a real fear for everybody. Like, she's not just scared because they're going to die. She's scared because they're going to die. And Reed doesn't know why he loves her. Yeah. Oh, that just made my heart hurt. I'm sorry. (laughs) I think at this point, we can kind of move into the falling action of the book. Because it all starts when they get on that stake, on that pyre. Mm Mm-hmm. That's coded. They coded the ropes. Again. Remember? Member berries. <laughs> Just to make sure that we can really feel that fear. We know how helpless they are. Before we really get into all of this, because this is a very, like, it's, I mean, I guess the rest of the book too, but so much happens in this falling action. It's all driven by August, who is terrible, but his plan to burn them is to use the fire that Coco had they haven't yet figured out a way to put it out though we know because Coco knows that the only way to put it out is with magic stuff and so they're trying all of these like mundane ways to do it but somehow he thinks let me just burn Lou and Reed with this my own son first of all and then the magical fire will just go away and not burn my city down. Yeah. Like, what did he think was going to happen? Yeah. How did he think that was going to play out? So you can tell that by this point, he's definitely off his rocker. And they've also kind of got, like, like I think you had mentioned this yesterday, where he's in his, like, lion cloak, and, and it looks like the lion's head is eating him. And I liked that that was kind of... It, it reminded me of Louis Fourteenth because Louis Fourteenth was, like, all about the show and it's not unheard of for leaders to use like the lion imagery or the sun and so you can kind of tell that he's definitely not all there well and he wasn't all there when in the last book like he was just he's stupid like he's not a smart man it's definitely like a before and after with the with blood and honey in this one though 
Because in the last one, you're like, if somebody tells him no or somebody explains, like, reality to him, he could be fine. But this one, you can tell mm -hmm. that people have just been feeding his ego through this entire crisis. Yeah. And that's the worst time to do it because then people just get so lost to reality. Yeah. So clearly, August is off his rocker. He does not know. Like, he's not thinking about the consequences of his actions. But what we come to find out is that they're in a totally lost cause. It's just that the group couldn't get into the Chaucer's tower to free them. They're like, who'd have thought that that was a very hard to breach prison? Yeah. And so this is where shit hits the fan. In the matter of just a few minutes, Reed gets his memories back. We find out that they've got supporters in the crowd. August is flaunting his new shit. Achilles is trying to talk him down still. And Reed is really desperate to find those memories. He's starting to kind of see the threads. Well, he'd started to see the threads when they were having sex. And so yes. she is the answer. Yeah. Their love is the yes. answer to all of their problems of pretty much, which is disgustingly mm -hmm. cute. I love it. It turns out Bo has disguised himself or has been disguised with magic as Achilles. And so he has this like, way kick-ass reveal where the disguise falls and his dad is like <gasps> um but then <laughs> Bo and him start to fight Bo grabs the torch that has this eternal fire on it and swings it around because at this point the pyre hadn't been lit yet and so it's a spark falls off when Bo swings it and catches their stake on fire okay so this is what is my thinking. God, how stupid of the king. God, how stupid of Bo. Like, <laughs> why is he? Yeah. Because he knows what kind of fire it is. Like, yeah. here we are talking about, like, Coco's, you know, lover. He knows this is Coco's fire. He knows what it can do. And then he's just, like, swinging it around. But it's also Bo, you know? It's like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you can he... forgive him for that. But also, like, it was, like, such a mirror of, like, here's August being stupid. And here's Bo, like. His son also stupid. being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it was definitely because the assumption kind of comes that they're going to have to carry Salie around. But she holds her own against their their adversaries better than Bo does. So the, the stake lights on fire, and it immediately goes up in flames. It does not take long. No, yeah, it's pretty roaring. Yeah, and so, okay, so Reed had made this side comment previously when they got strapped up there where he's like, where are my shoes? Oh, yeah, leather doesn't burn, mm -hmm. so they had to take it off. But in the process of, like, throwing the flyer and everything, Bo had also caught his dad on fire, and August was wearing leather, and so was Bo. Mm. And it burns straight through those, mm -hmm. those, those leather pieces of clothing. And immediately, Reed manages to undo their, at least his hand restraints. Lou kicks him off their platform. Coco, at this point, is already holding Bo, and she's starting to sob. Because yeah. jumping back in time up for a moment... When her and Lou had had that conversation on the boat about being vulnerable and what it means to be honest and truthful 
And so I think she's having that realization where she didn't do that with Bo when she had the chance and she's regretting it. And so she's crying over Bo, regretting the fact that she gave up that time together. And suddenly it stops hurting and Reed realizes that Lou is taking the pain. And that's when he remembers. So he knows that it happened because she had talked about it when they were going over their history yes, together in the cell. Because she was just like, when, let's think about the first time we met. And like, she was like going over like being in like yeah. the patisserie and stuff. And then she was like, okay, well, that's not it. And it's when, it's when he started falling in love with her. It was the key to like his memories. And yes. that's what triggered But this. he had to feel it. He didn't yeah. just need to hear it. He needed to feel it, which was in this, in this case, unfortunately, her literally taking mm-hmm. that pain from him and he realizes what she's doing. But then as he's realizing that a storm is brewing, liter- like a literal storm is brewing. Mm-hmm. And this is from Coco. Quick tangent about Coco. So like we said a lot of this is character driven. Coco has undergone a huge transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we brought up a few times is the fact that Coco and Lou are kind of parallels for the different covens they both hold significant value for them they both were raised with this expectation of purpose that neither of them is ready to fulfill they both feel abandoned by their mothers and their mother figures Mm -hmm. and so in the previous books we've seen lou dealing with that but in this one we meet coco's mother we see her actually dealing with the pain of what she perceives as her mother's abandonment, Mm -hmm. which I mean, it is not in the same way that it was for Lou though. Right. And so Coco has had to really confront head on a lot of the bullshit that she's dealt with in her life, Mm -hmm. all while also dealing with Ansel's death and her own guilt around that because shortly before then she had tried kissing him and then rejected him. And so she feels doubly bad about that. And I think, I don't remember specifically if she says it, but it's like she feels if she says yes to Mm. Bo, she's dishonoring Ansel somehow. Right. And I would, I I would, go ahead. I was also going to say that uh, she's also watching Lou go through this. So it's like, Mm -hmm. Coco seems to be this kind of always present presence. She's kind of the silent backbone of the group I think is kind of how I described it uh, last night Um, you know we all know who Bo is in the group we all know who Ansel is in the group we all know who Reed is in the group we all know who Lou is in the group and so Coco is just kind of like this very like quiet one that's honestly keeping everyone together without them realizing it and she has a lot of feelings that don't get outwardly expressed like everyone else you know Bo says I just want to be remembered, you know, all of this. And so it's like, but what does Coco want? And like, we never really hear that. And Mm so like, we want to know what she saw in low melancholic, like, but we don't. And so, but she's the one that fucking saves everyone. She, all the time, time. she heals them. She's getting people out of the fucking pit all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. And so this was a, a good opportunity for her to be soft. Mm Mm-hmm. And for her to be okay with that kind of vulnerability. Because we do find out that Ansel also visited her at Low Melancholique. Right. When, like, after he after he talked to Lou. 
And knowing how the conversation went with Lou, there's no doubt in my mind that he told Coco to stop not letting herself be happy, to just go to Bo. He could see how much she loved him. Like there's, there was no sense in her denying herself that pleasure anymore just because she missed Ansel. Mm -hmm. She could do both at the same time. She could miss Ansel and show Bo how much she loved him at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that happened the first time they drink the waters, which means they've gone to Angelica and Isla's castle. And then they've also gone to the chateau and the, the inn and then had the conversation about vulnerability. So, I mean, mm -hmm. days have passed with her processing this, but it's not until, like the symbolism of this is beautifully tragic. Bo is dying right now because of yeah. her grief. Yeah. Yes. The, the fire Fuck. is-, is yeah. So the, the source of the fire is her grief. And so they kind of say like- While he's saving Reed and Lou. Yep. She has to get over her grief for the fire to go away. There's not any kind of man-made solution to it. And so the fact that she can't get over her grief is killing mm -hmm. Bo. Yeah. And so the storm that's rolling in is the storm of her own emotion moving past that grief. Her ability to move from grief into hope about their future yeah. is what saves them. And it, it doesn't just stop the fire, it also heals all of them. So you think that they're gonna like go away from this with like gnarly burns or no. something, but no, it also heals all of the burns that are happening. Yeah, which allows Reed to come to the realization of like who Lou is. Cause like- Yeah, he breaks the Yeah, spell. cause there's like this very complicated transactions going on with like pain and memory and mm -hmm. and storms and fire so there's like a lot going on so it's like what is everyone feeling right now like it's just happened so fast because like yeah obviously they're in excruciating pain because they're on fire and then that goes away because of lou but then there's a new pain right because there's this new mm -hmm. emotional pain of like no lou like oh my god and then yeah and then coco starts grieving about that and then the rain falls and everything all peace descends ansel yeah. descends on everyone and heals everyone and it's like this tears heal yep yeah so the very end of book two her tears create the fire underneath because those tears came from a very dark place mm -hmm. beginning of this book her tears don't necessarily disappear the right. scar, but they change the scar from something ugly, this like symbol of the conflict between her and her mother mm. into this beautiful, a, a tattoo of roses and thorns and a beautiful vine along her mm. neck. And now they've completely healed the wounds caused by her own grief. Yes. Very, very powerful scene. Yes, I agree. It was there was a lot going on in there. Yeah, and then it and then it turns into this really crazy battle that I was kind of like trying to read through. I think 
A lot happens. It gets very scattered. Yeah, it was very scattered, which is how battles are. So it, you know, whatever, it's realistic. Yeah. It wasn't like a planned thing. It wasn't, there was no like standoff. There was no smackdown in this book. Yeah. But now that Reed has his memory back, so does Morgane. Right. Which means we're back at square 10-ish. Yeah. Which is, we have to defeat Morgane. So when I say scattered, I do mean, like, it's like a battle. Like, it's happening all over the city, and they're running around, yeah. and then they see so many different things happen. It's just, like, a lot happening at once. But, yeah, we've got, like, the group from book two, mm-hmm. as well as all of the witches from both covens who are now working basically together under Morgane. And the Melazines show up at one point. And the innocent bystanders and the chasseurs. Right. So everyone's fighting everybody. Like it's chaos because nobody's nobody knows what's going on. But immediately before Lou and Reed even decide to fight the fight that they've been trying to fight, their number one priority is getting all of the innocents inside and magically locking the doors. So that way the witches can't target them. And so even though we're kind of back to the beginning, their focus has changed. Mm -hmm. So in book two, when she's down in the tunnels, she's passing all of them. She's not focused. She's like, oh, I hope these innocent people don't get tied up in Morgane's games. But they know what Morgane does now. So instead of trying to immediately stoke the beast, they just start saving people. They're like, we need to save as many people as we can. They tell the chasseurs, here's who you need to go after. This is what's actually happening. They make sure Philippe gets captured. Yeah. So that so that Jean-Luc is back in charge. Yeah. I think weren't, there was also chasseurs who just told Philippe kind of to fuck off. They were like, yeah, they, we don't want to Well, fall. he was doing stupid shit. He was just like killing everyone. Yeah. And, and they were like, because... It was just a clash of, like, these are people who are looking at what people are, not who people are. You know, it's not the occult. It's evil. And so a lot of the followers were also of that mind of just being like, no, these are the people that are bad. Like, not. Yeah. And you can see, like, the classic, the guy who, like, joins the police force because he wants to feel power. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, like protecting communities Ooh, kind yeah. of yeah here's like a comment on modern yeah. policing um so they just ignore philippe and jean-luc starts instructing them and then the chasseurs are working with the witches and reed who are locking the doors yeah so they're working side by side with magic but the big part of this whole situation is when the melazines show up yeah because Coco and Lou go down this alleyway and they get caught by Wasson and Nicolina. Mm. So much happened. Like, it's, the action isn't quite clear in my head, but... Well, what happened was Nicolina was... Yeah, something happened to Nicolina. I don't know. I'm sorry. Like, so Wasson kind of captures Lou for a second. Uh-huh. Yes, and, and then Nicolina, like, actually, like, lets Lou go. Yeah, so... In this whole scene, Nicolina's the reason that they escaped. Yes. 
Also, she doesn't, she doesn't, in the chateau, see, she sees Lou and doesn't say anything. Yep. Um, so yep. it's, there was a little seed that Lou left in Nicolina that just said, she doesn't actually care about you. Yeah, exactly. Which is true. Yeah. Because then when she comes back and when they're finally separate at Lo Melancholique, Nicolina's body isn't there. So Wasson and Morgane show up. They think they've won again. But Nicolina is like floating around and she's like, she left my body somewhere. Yeah. I guess I'll go find yeah. it. And it's just like on the floor in one of the rooms. Yeah, it's like, it's like that was kind of a point where I was like, I think Nicolina's going to not be totally evil yeah. now or not. You know, yeah. she's she's going to redeem herself a little bit. I didn't yeah. feel like she was fully turned, like she was going to, like, work for Lou or anything. But I definitely felt she was yeah. feeling sympathetic more now to the other side. Yeah, she was realizing that, like, Wasson wasn't hot shit. Yeah. But there's a moment when Nicolina, like, literally could have just, like, killed Lou and she, like, didn't. Yeah. She let them go, and, which shows that even yeah. even at that point, so it's not just because she thinks she's about to die yeah. in the end of the book, but even at that point, she lets Lou go. So Voisson thinks that she's won, and then the Melazines show up, and who's with them but her sister, Angelica. And this is something we kind of hadn't mentioned, but Angelica and Voisson are, like, blood-bonded, and so anything, any kind of injury that Voisson has... Angelica will have and vice versa. So you can't kill one without killing the right. other. And so Coco is there. I think Coco had kind of almost saved Lou. She tried, yeah. Yeah, she tried. But Angelica kind of just says goodbye to Coco. And then they start hacking at each other. Nicolina is dying by Vassan's hand, mm -hmm. actually. She bites her throat. Her vocal yeah. cords out gurgling <laughs> yeah and so she's just bleeding out of her neck crawling to angelica and vosan who are like trying to get a killing blow at each other nicolina grabs vosan's feet and all three of them go tumbling down yeah and so it's because nicolina yeah just like hung on there for a few more minutes and decided to be like fuck you lovoisan yeah it was underwhelming in a good way. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because they didn't deserve like a triumphant death. But they yeah. needed to they needed to kill each other. It was it was time for their end. They needed to like they needed to go down ugly yeah. together. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And so that was a hard scene for Coco too to have finally accepted mm -hmm. what her life is and like the relationship with her mother just to know that it's gotta come to an end. But then it moves because there's a few moments when, like, Lou, like, is calling Claude because, like, Claude's in his, like, tree form or something. And yeah. he intervenes. The battle comes to them. And she's about to get hit with something. And he jumps in the way. Yeah. And then he intervened and creates this massive cr crack in the middle of the earth. And then it's, like, land before time when you have to, like, make sure you're on the right side. <laughs> yeah. Or you have to climb all the way down and see Sharptooth. Um, <laughs> and conveniently, the rest of the gang kind of runs up, right? Like, Reed and Bo, I think, are together. And meets them. And they realize Morgane's, like, 
there like Samara from the ring just like ready to like get Lou on the other side so Lou and I knew it I knew it I knew it with all of my fucking heart the minute we found that syringe in Celie's bag I was like she's gonna be the yep. one she's going to hold Morgane down while Lou does the yeah. killing blow and I was right she find that syringe makes it and she so on one side of the cr- crack is Morgane, Lou and Celie Celie yeah. And the rest of the gang just has, they can't do anything. And like, oh my God, you can just see like Reed, like pacing back and forth, trying to figure out how to get over and stuff, you know? Yeah. And of course, Morgane's wearing like the lion skin, of course. Yeah. And, you know, they do some magic battling and stuff, but it's not, it's not very climactic. Yeah. Because you're just so ready to be done with her. And kind of like I had said before with the argument over is the magic the reason Morgane is the way she is or is it just Morgane yeah. and so at this point she doesn't have the magic and she's still just the worst yeah. we know that Lou is more powerful we know that Morgane doesn't have the same amount of magic the same power of magic that she had before and so her talking all big during this scene is really just it's sad almost to watch her. Like, she's so washed up by this point. So, I'm excited that they finally put this mother-daughter situation to bed. Which was... It was huge. Morgane says, you were never my daughter. Lou says, you gave me life. And she says, I gave you purpose. What should I have done, darling? Cradled you in my arms while others' daughters perished? While they burn, should I have valued your life more than theirs? And she goes, yes. And I was like, yeah. Like, that's what you're supposed to do, mom. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I was just like, I was like, she didn't even have a beat to think about it. She was just like, yes. And that's when it just like hits home that it's like everything leading up was for this moment. Mm-hmm. You should have valued me. You should have protected me because I am the only person in the world who still loves you. And Morgane died. <laughs> yeah. I love that the way that they do it is Saylee and Lou together. Yeah. Because Lou would not have emotionally been able to do it on her own. But Saylee going over there and helping her? No, yeah, absolutely. Lou always needed to kill Morgane. Like, I don't think yes. Celia was ever going to kill her, but she definitely had a reason to be there. And Exactly. She had just as much skin exactly. in the game as Lou needed that push, that, like, reminder almost of, like, it's not, you're not yeah. just here to argue with your mom about your self-worth. You're here to put down a tyrant. But also, like, you have help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you don't have to do it yeah. alone. And that yeah. that is the lesson for Lou, this whole thing, because mm-hmm. Morgane thought that she had to be the most powerful and rule through fear. Lou sees that she can do it. She earned the Madame Sorcier's power by having Mm -hmm. a community helping her. Yes. And then they have a jolly time at the patisserie. Yes. It felt like the, the, what is it, the after credit scene of Avengers? When they're all getting shawarma after? Yeah. And they all all make the guy make sticky buns. He would have done it anyway for Lou. Totally would. um, Okay, so... Now for the epilogue, which 
Beautiful, mm. beautiful scene. Mm. All told from Ansel's point of view. Yes. Because I wasn't allowed to have any tears left in my body, I don't think. <laughs> oh, I cried so hard. Yeah. They were good tears. It was like the kind of tears that stop eternal fire. Yes. They heal. Yes, healing tears. So we find them back at the chateau with Lou getting ready for their wedding. Mm-hmm. And Ansel is sitting on the bed next to Madame LaBelle. And Celie and Coco are, like, fussing around, like, Lou and, like, doing her hair and stuff. And it's just so sweet to finally also have Madame LaBelle there because she's, like, really pretty much yeah. absent during this book. But she's also Reed's mom. And also kind yeah. of mom to, like, the group. Yeah. She was, like, there at the beginning of all of of the fellowship, you know? Yes. <laughs> she's she's she the Gandalf. The, uh... um, yeah, so she's there. And <laughs> Ansel... And she, and that's another thing is Madame LaBelle kind of knows he's there. Yeah. Just like in that other vision, not vision, but like they like kind of sat in at the hearing and like Mm -hmm. she knew that they were there. That was really sweet. Well, in the corner is actually Manon. Yes. And she feels a bit uncomfortable, but. Yeah. I'm glad that she's there. Yeah. Because that was another like really heartbreaking part of book two, which is that and book one is that even her friends are so willing to just betray her for their for her Mm -hmm. mother right and then the and then there's that scene in morgan's chambers when they're up there um escaping out of the window what we have is like real proof that what she's doing is is ruling them through fear yeah and i'm wondering if it was just like the sheer amount of times that manon had to like decide to betray her friend that is starting to break her and the reason she doesn't tell Morgane or Boisson that it was Lou and their group that broke in. Mm-hmm. She just says there was an intruder. She doesn't say who it was. But if like if she'd have said something to Boisson, even yeah. it would have been like it would have sent. But there was that Rella. Right. There was like that moment when she was like trying to convince Mana that we're all outlaws. Every there's lot Yeah. We all have people who want to kill us. Like but we can do the yeah. right thing and we can do it together. Um, and like giving her a chance while that was like such an important scene for her and Manon, like that was also an, through Reed's point of view and Reed got to see Lou forgive essentially someone who's literally tried yeah. to murder her and like yep. hunt her. So I was happy to see Manon there. Yeah. It's funny because going back again to, Isla's accusations of Mm -hmm. Lou being just ordinary. She has this way of picking up like weird allies. Mm -hmm. Like they tried to make the people allies in book two and they tried to get the Melazines. But even along the way, like Achille, the father Achille, he helps them anyway. Yeah. He helps them just because he sees that they're good people. Yeah. The way that they win over the werewolves isn't through just asking it's because there's a life debt at this point and then afterwards it's they help them out because Morgane's batshit crazy mm-hmm. and they're ready to be rid of her they know that Lou can take that that like that helm yeah and so having uh, like jumping back then I guess to the to the epilogue having Manon in that room with them shows that she was honest yeah. she wasn't just trying to win their way out of 
the tower. She wasn't just trying to see if her friends still cared about her. She genuinely wanted mm -hmm. Manon by her side. Yeah. And then they walk out and it was like, so, oh, they're under the tree, this tree, pear tree, which is the only tree that like survived Morgan's magical wrath. Yeah. Um, and it's Coco and Bo walk her down the aisle, right? It's Bo and a picture of Ansel. Oh, really? I don't remember that. Yeah, so Ansel, in spirit yeah. and in picture, mm -hmm. walks her down the aisle. Um, my favorite part of this, though, is that they he talks about the fact that Madame LaBelle keeps giving Father Achille, yeah. like, doomy eyes. yeah. She did it after the battle, too, which tells me that if she's doing it at the wedding, then he's already doing it. Yeah. He's doing her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's going oh, on. Oh, yeah. So Madame LaBelle and Achille are banging. Hell, yeah. Emphasis on hell. Yeah. Emphasis on bang. <laughs> hell, yeah. Um, the wedding is a really sweet scene. Ansel's talking about how happy everyone is together. Coco's insulting Bo and he's still in love with her and she's doing it out of love because they're finally together. It does kind of make me think that Lou's paradise that she had imagined could be possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real future for them, which I love. Yeah. And then they had the weird exchange with Madame Sauvage. Yes. So she's like the curio lady that we've met a couple of times. She's Claude. You right? Yeah, I was so happy about that. And I was like, of course it is. Of course yes. it's Claude. He just shows up when he's needed. And yeah, and she's... Especially because it was the trees. Yeah. The pear trees. Yeah. She's like, she, Claude, is like, did you ever plant those? Well, funny enough, I have the seeds right yeah. here. Take them and plant them right now. Yeah. And then this orchard just comes up so they, they had spent all day trying to like cover up how ugly it looks because all of the trees were yeah. gone and then drunkenly get to reset it to its original glory and then the very very last thing that happens is that Ansel's parents show up so he finally knows who his parents are he talks about how he has these traits of his dad's and he has these traits of his mom and it's like comforting for him to have found those roots because he was so desperate for them before yeah and they say that Etienne is waiting for him, which means all of the souls that were inside of Nicolina, all of her mice, have been were freed yeah. when she died. Yeah. And, oh, I'm going to tear up just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> because it means that Lou did save Etienne. Yeah. She didn't just help him remember who, she, who he was. Mm -hmm. She helped free those lost souls. Yes. Blue. Beautiful ending. Yes. Beautiful ending. Oh, I cried so hard. It was also because it ends on Ansel going back into whatever comes after. So whatever afterlife. Right. It was a goodbye for him. And because it was like the end of the trilogy too. Yeah. It was a goodbye. To everyone. And we got to we got to see everyone so happy. Yeah. You know, like Madame LaBelle and Achille, they both got themselves you have like reed and lou of course and then you have like bo and coco yep who have like finally found peace with each other and then you like know like the state of everything is good because Celie, and i think it's victoire 
one of them dies. I, we can never remember which one, Victoire or Violet. Yeah. But they and Jean-Luc start a new Chaucer. Mm-hmm. And obviously Bo and Coco are going to rule. Yeah. And Lou and Reed are going to rule. Yeah. And it's going to be like such an amazing world. It's the start of a new age yes. for them. And you can feel like how young and fresh mm-hmm. and innocent that new age is in this scene. Yeah. Such a it's a heavy ending but in a good yes. way. It feels very like sweet after so much better. <laughs> Yes, yes. You said she's writing a different series now? Yeah, she started a new uh, a new book. Is it in the same world, do you think? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, there's very little detail on it, because I had first started following her before Gods and Monsters came mm-hmm. out. So she was still doing all the promo for that. And she kept saying, I can't really talk about the new book because I'm still, we still have to market this yeah. one. And even since then, all she really does is talk about kind of writing slumps and normal writer woes and stuff like that. So nothing really book-specific, just writer general stuff. In terms of closing thoughts, I feel like we covered just about every inch of that book. I think we really felt like this book delivered so much. Yeah. And we didn't want to leave anything out. So... (laughs) I definitely felt like there's just so much to unpack and like everything that you really wanted from the last book, even some of the first book was just really released, like unleashed. I feel like it was just like, she just like started real quick on like putting everything back together into this like new perfect world. Jumping back to one of the opening thoughts that I had said about this being a character-driven book. It becomes an arc of each of them individually coming to terms with their own pasts and what that has brought to now. So not focusing on the past, but recognizing it and acknowledging who they are now. Mm -hmm. There was a line that we had brought up in the last episode that Devereaux has when he's talking to to Reed. And I won't read the whole passage, but the the part that I want to focus on is when he says you can't know another person until you truly know yourself. Mm-hmm. And in more than just Reed and Lou's relationship, that proves to be so abundantly true because Coco has to come to terms with her own grief and her own love, like yeah. her own hope for a future before she can let herself love mm-hmm. Bo. Saley and Jean-Luc have to shuck their prejudices and really confront their moral compass in order to help this group. Yeah. And they do it. They they do it without question. Because they care more about Lou and Reed and Coco and Bo than they do about the fact that they're witches. Yeah. And so I love that that kind of offhand comment between Devereaux and Reed becomes like kind of the crux, the saving grace yeah. for this group. Yeah. Well, Melissa, do you think we could say anything else about this book? <laughs> is there anything I think else? The only thing is just, 
how oddly hopeful it made me feel after the last yeah. book. I'm like, maybe it's not all bad. Yeah. Maybe there is hope. It was, it was a very great end to a beautiful world, beautiful characters, and just everything that we're sad to see it go, but it will live in our hearts forever. And if she ever decides to, like, have a one-off single yeah. book, I will buy seven Yes. <laughs> but that ends our Serpent and Dove series with Shelby Mahurin. Next week, mm-hmm. we're going to be kicking it off with some V.E. Schwab, which has some Hell of the yeah. best-looking books I've ever seen in my oh, life. And I really can't wait. I mean, I have already started it, so... I just hope that the story is as beautiful as the cover. I can't wait to talk with you about it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you already read it? No, but I can't wait to talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe I just like our conversations, Bethany. No, yeah. It sounded like you were <laughs> like, I'm waiting for you to finish it. And I'm like... No. Well, I am waiting for you to finish it, but I'm also waiting me for to finish me to finish it. <laughs> so we'll be starting that next week uh you can find us on instagram at in bed with books underscore chat with us on there tell us what you thought about gods and monsters and cry with cry with us laugh with us sing with us and uh yeah we will see you guys next week happy reading happy reading bye bye The cell is made, okay, out of the wood from Reed's ball sack. <laughs> no. From Reed's balisarde, that tree that ate his balisarde, his ball sack. Do you want to try that whole thing again? <laughs> what do you mean it's perfect? <laughs> <laughs> I can hear you trying not to say ball sack. (laughs) Okay.